I'm not sure like it's a side hustle per se, but it's definitely like a very clear passion of yours. Oh yeah, it's a lot better than stripping, I'll tell you that. I have no comment on that. <laughs> you are honestly nor should you. You just, you just Tracy Huang, host at the Mental Arts Podcast. Today's guest is someone that you should get to know. A blue belt in jiu-jitsu, a charismatic chef, and a good-natured comedian, Zubin Mystery is someone who lights up the room as soon as he enters it. I'm a fan of Zubin for his self-awareness and willingness to persist through challenges. I am humbled by his courage to share these stories with us. Throughout the podcast, I'll be hopping in and out to provide my thoughts to his story and how I can help you in your martial arts journey. As a side note, his significant other also joins in to add more context to what he says. So don't be weirded by that either. Okay, now on to the show. So you got your blue belt, Zubin, like yeah. two years ago, right? Yes. What was like the feeling like when you first, when you got it? Was it a surprise? Like how, how did that turn out? It was very emotional because I had literally fought for that blue belt. I fought for that promotion and kind of everything that I had gone, I'd been going through up until that time was a continuous fight. So back in 2018, I think it was like June of 2018, and I was going through a very difficult time in the sense that like I had my my engagement ended. My ex-fiance and I, we she had ended things with me and then just a lot of changes with having a new job, moving to DC, and you know, that blue belt was something that kind of kept me, it, it, it gave me a goal and it gave me a reason to kind of keep fighting, keep pushing forward. And it, getting that was a very, like I was in tears. Like I didn't, I, like after, <laughs> like after I got home, I was in the shower and I was like literally in tears. So I was so happy. Like I'd never been so proud of myself in life. It was a very like important moment in my life to get that. It was very important for me to get that blue belt. Yeah, so you had, I think you had four stripes on your white belt, right? Yeah. Okay, so were, was the whole time at Beta or before that um, you had been training? I had actually been training for about six months prior to coming to Beta, but I never really tested or did anything until I got to Beta. And I decided to start testing because things were kind of going a little crazy in my life. And I was like, you know what? I need to kind of keep pushing myself, keep motivating myself, start setting these like small goals. It might be small to some people for me, but it was like major goals. Like I want to strive. I want to get this. I want to go to the next level. I, I, I want to keep growing, keep building myself. I will, I, you know, I will say BJJ has, BJJ has saved me many. It, it, it is definitely saved my life. BJJ kept me mentally sound. I started doing it as, you know, I first started doing BJJ because I felt like it was a really good workout. And I was at a, a cat, there was like a gym, a BJJ gym in Gaithersburg. And I moved to DC. I was with my ex. And around summer 2017, up until March 2018, when it ended, like BJJ was my escape. Like things were so bad in my relationship. Things were tough at work. And BJJ kind of just kept me in line. It kept me sane. And when my engagement ended, you know, 
I'm glad it was it was a very bad it was a very rough time a lot like I said a lot of changes a lot of things and I still remember May of 2018 where I had a major meltdown outside the gym and one of the coaches was like kind of he was there and I say kind of talking me talking myself off the ledge because I was actually I was actually thinking at that time like about taking my own life there's the second time in my life where I was just like all right maybe this living thing isn't worth it However, like, I think it was just, like I said, a lot of things going on in my head and I was outside and one of the coaches came up, was talking to me and literally just talked me into getting back into the gym and keep fighting. Not just to get that blue butt, but keep fighting for myself, which I feel like a lot of people should really do is really fight for yourself. Kind of getting back in there, getting my ass kicked over and over and over again. It, it just made me feel better. It just kept me hungrier for something better in my life, something just more better, just good good mentality. Like, you know, trying to be healthier, happier. And that's one of the reasons why I love BJJ, because it keeps me hungry to get better, not just on the mat, but off the mat as well. Okay, so a lot to unpack there. I want to go back to something you mentioned about testing and stripes, because I heard a little bit of hesitation in your voice, and I want to explore that just a little bit. I know in like the jujitsu world, there's this some sort of keyboard warrior uh, line that's like, oh, stripes don't matter. Stripes don't mean anything. And I frankly, I disagree with that a lot just because I've talked to a lot of my friends who have worked really hard to show up to class to Mm -hmm. overcome their anxieties. So tell me a little bit more about how you decided that you wanted to start testing and what kind of like what that progression was like up until Blue. It it, it stems from the, the situation that I was in where I felt like things were just going bad in my life and I needed something to fight for I need I need I needed I needed something I needed a win I need something good to happen and I also felt that like even for me I never felt as if when I was testing it I, I never felt that I was ready for that strike test I was kind of afraid of showing up and really just failing miserably there was a sense of like not having that confidence in myself and I think eventually I just I, one day I got over it I was just like you know what screw it I'm going to test. I had competed in, and I was, and actually I wanted to compete in my IBJJF back in September 2018. So I said, look, I, I, I need to like do something. If I want to actually compete, I'd signed up for it. And I said, all right, let me test. If I do good, great. If not, then it's not the end of the world. I'm going to keep going back there. I'm going to keep training. I want to make sure I get my first strike. And I got my first strike. And then I competed and I got, I lost my first, I lost the, my, my first competition, lost my first match only by an advantage. And none of us had taken each other down. We literally were just holding each other <laughs> while standing up. And you know, that though, getting those stripes and kind of putting yourself through all that, it, it just felt like a sense of accomplishment. It felt like I was like, all right, I'm actually like, I'm having some wins in my life. I'm not, you know, and that just, it just helps motivate you to kind of take on other things that are going on, whether it be work, relationship, you know, personal, mental. It just, I felt like that was, that first hurdle was the toughest, but after I got after I got my first two stripes, I was pretty hell bent on getting that blue belt. When like when Nakapon, I don't know if you remember because you said you were crying, but when Nakapon promotes people, he usually says a few words about them. Mm-hmm. Do you remember anything that he said about you? I really don't remember because I was so exhausted and in a crap ton of pain because I had thrown my back out. <laughs> I was, as soon as I heard my name, I was in such disbelief. I was like, is this really happening? I do remember a master knock. I, I walk up to him, he puts the blue belt around me. He says, are you ready? I said, no, he said, too late. <laughs> but I do remember like, it, it was, 
it was such a amazing feeling to get it. Like I felt like I just I was I was so ecstatic. I didn't know what to do. So when I got my blue, I like I immediately washed it because that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> then I, I remember taking it out of the dryer the next day and just like holding it and just being so happy. Yeah. Well, I was actually on an Uber back home and I remember I took a photo of it and I was holding it. I was actually in the Uber. I was like tearing up and getting emotional. I was like, I did it. Like, I can't believe I got the blue belt and damn, it's a nice color. Like it's dark blue. It goes well with my black gear. Like I'm gonna look great in this thing. Like I was so happy. Like I was so ecstatic, but I was also in a crap ton of pain. So I was like, I just want to go home and shower. That's after every class though. That's not like just the- Yeah, that is true. <laughs> That is, that is so true. I, 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 you know, when people are like, well, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I'm about to go get my ass kicked. What about you? <laughs> like, I literally go to BJJ just to get my ass kicked. I, yeah, we have different mentalities, huh? <laughs> you want to kick someone's ass. I'm, the, I'm there to, like, get my ass kicked and learn. Be like, you know what? Go ahead. Sit on me. Choke me out. As my friend Hana says, fighting is art. It's no question that jujitsu can help people handle the worst that life has to offer. It is a very physically and mentally rigorous and intense sport. And if you can survive someone trying to strangle you, you're able to take that experience and translate it to resilience outside of the mats. Developing this resilience isn't always easy, especially when outside circumstances are seemingly conspiring against you. What strikes me about Zubin's story is that he chose for himself a path that made sense for him. Some people might downplay the significance of getting a blue belt out of authentic or false modesty. Yet, there is something to be said about identifying what can give you that warm, fuzzy feeling of fulfillment and then being brave enough to pursue it. It gives me the chills to listen to Zubin when he says at one point that he thought, quote, maybe this life thing isn't worth it. I'm here to say that not only is living worth it, but also thriving is totally worth it too. When you practice the skill of being more resilient, it leads you through a path which offers a hopeful future and meaningful connections of others. One thing that my mentor Dave Ursillo is fond of saying is that we exist for other people and other people exist for ourselves. When that coach reached out to Zubin and told him to keep fighting for himself, that was a great example of why our presence and support matters to other people. We don't need to be the martyrs for other people's struggle, but we can be allies to their cause. How can you find success in a win when you're being defeated on the mats? Tell me what that thought process and experience is like. You see, for me, success is really the lesson that you learn from a loss. If you're able to lose and pick up and figure out how you lost and make sure you're able to learn from it and then implement it on the next roll, that's a win right there. 
I feel that like uh, for me, jujitsu is more mental than anything else. And if I can conquer my own mind, if I can stay, for example, if I I'm a 230 pound guy, if I can have a 390 pound guy sit on my chest and me keep calm and cool and figure out a means to get out, that is a huge win for me. Does that make sense? And if I'm able to implement the strategy, the mo both physical and mental strategy, not only on my next role, but even kind of take those lessons learned into something else in life, then that's a big fucking win. Pardon my language. You can swear on this podcast. Oh, we're allowed to? Yeah. Oh, thank fucking like, God. Oh. <laughs> I, no, I was on another podcast a while back. And, like, you can't curse. I was like, ah, oh, fuck, really? <laughs> was that the Comedy Gumbo podcast? Comedy Gumbo podcast? No. Yeah. Oh, something there's a, else. There's a, well, I, you know, the funny thing is comedy, I actually, I used to do comedy. I first started doing comedy in New Orleans and the show was called Comedy Gumbo. That's where I saw it. I scrolled through your entire Facebook. Oh, oh, okay. So yeah, it was the Comedy Gumbo. Okay. <laughs> they don't do that. That was a radio show. That was like years ago when I was in grad school. So yeah, I definitely couldn't curse because they were like, yeah, we'll get like a $10,000 fine. I was like, okay. So I spent like a good 10 minutes just cursing, get it out of my system. And I was like, all right, I'm ready. Our world requires that decisions be sourced and footnoted. And if we say how we feel, we must also be prepared to elaborate on why we feel that way. I think that approach is a mistake. And if we are to learn to improve the quality of the decisions we make, we need to accept the mysterious nature of our snap judgments. We need to respect the fact that it is possible to know without knowing why we know and accept that sometimes we're better off that way. Malcolm Gladwell, Blink. The power of thinking without thinking. Let's go with sub-only rules. And you're fighting yourself. You're fighting a clone of yourself. Okay. What are the mental attacks that you have to defend against? And what are the physical attacks that you have to defend against? And how are you going to win on both fronts? Oof. All right. Mental attacks would be a lot. It would be self-doubt, would be insecure, well, would be self-insecurity. And the fear, I wouldn't say fear, but it, it's, it's self-doubt and the insecurity of whether I can be able to take myself on or not. Because I know how strong I am, but also know how weak I am. As far as physically, it's the weight. I think it's it's my own ability. Like if I if I'm fighting myself, I'm gonna go all out and be super aggressive. That's what I would do if I was fighting myself. So I have to figure out like, all right, this person's gonna come at me with everything they have, and they're gonna be super relentless and make sure that when I'm rolling with them, they're gonna make sure I feel some level of di a good level of discomfort and a good level of pain if I can possible. But the best, the only way to do it is face it head on. You know what I'm saying? Face my own insecurities, face my own fears head on. There's no strategy or anything there's no there's no it's just, just to face it head on to acknowledge your insecurities with yourself yeah yours. once you acknowledge them fully then they have no power over you because if you can if you can tell yourself yes i'm bad at xyz thing then when you're faced with something where you have to do the thing that you're not good at you're not going to just kill yourself 
down like internally about it before you do whatever you have to do. Like, yeah. And if I lose, I lose. Yes, yeah. at the end of the day, I'm not dead or I'm not dying. For anyone that's ever rolled with me, I'll always say that. Like, I know there have been times I've gotten hurt real bad and I'm exhausted from rolling, but I still get up and I'm like, you know what? I'm not dead. I'm not dying. Let's go again. And I'll go. I, I will keep rolling up until the last second. Like, I'll push myself. And if I lose against the final match against myself, guess what? I get up again and I keep fighting myself over and over again until I win. It's really beautiful. Thank you. And now I will say that I want to ask if you would pull a guard on yourself. Would I pull guard on myself? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I would love to pull, I would pull guard on myself. I would try to Kimura or see, I'd be, I would try to Uma plot on myself just as I'd like to show off to see if it's possible. However, if I was actually fighting myself like a carbon copy of me, we'd wind up talking about food. <laughs> Have you ever seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world? I've heard of it. At the end of the movie, it's a, I, I find it to be a really awesome movie to watch. It's really, it's cute. But at the end of the movie, the main character fights like an evil version of himself. And the two girls that he was like dating in the movie are outside waiting for him. And he finds them and the, so the protagonist and his clone evil copy are like shooting the shit, walking out of the building, shooting the shit. They're like, oh yeah, we're gonna get French toast next weekend, yada, yada, yada. I feel like that would be me. The following is an excerpt from my favorite book, The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. In every discipline, the ability to be clear-headed, present, cool under fire is much of what separates the best from the mediocre. In competition, the dynamic is often painfully transparent. If one player is serenely present while the other is being ripped apart by internal issues, the outcome is already clear. The prey is no longer objective, makes compounding mistakes and the predator moves in for the kill. While more subtle, this issue is perhaps even more critical in solitary pursuits, such as writing, painting, scholarly thinking, or learning. In the absence of continual external reinforcement, we must be our own monitor, and quality of presence is often the best gauge. We cannot expect to touch excellence if going through the motions is the norm of our lives. On the other hand, if deep, fluid presence become second nature, then life, art, and learning take on a richness that will continually surprise and delight. Those who excel are those who maximize each moment's creative potential. For these masters of living, presence to the day-to-day -day learning process is akin to that purity of focus others dream of achieving in rare climactic moments when everything is on the line. The secret is that everything is always on the line. The more present we are at practice, the more present we will be in competition, in the boardroom, at the exam, the operating table, the big stage. If we have any hope of attaining excellence, let alone of showing what we've got under pressure, we have to be prepared by a lifestyle of reinforcement. Presence must be like breathing. You know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, it's both, it's more, I feel it's more mental than physical. And, you know, there are days where you're on point and everything's going well. And other days where you're just like, God damn, I'm getting that shit kicked out of me. There was actually one day in particular 
I was in a really good mood. And I think I was, it's just a really good day. And I came into Jiu-Jitsu and I actually came into Randori and I was like rolling, but I was actually rolling really, really well. And I kind of just, I was getting, I was actually, I started off getting choked out, but then I just like, I was just, I, it just wasn't bothering me. And I just kind of kept rolling the whole day, the whole evening. And I just kind of let myself loose out there. I was smiling. I was laughing the whole time, oddly enough. And I was just in the moment, enjoying myself, like enjoying the moves and saying, oh, let me try this. Or, oh, let me see if I can arm bar this brown belt, which failed miserably, but still it was a lot of fun. When I'm not thinking, I'm doing really well. One of the things I do is when I roll, I actually close my eyes and I roll. Most of the time when your eyes are open, someone's gi is on you or whatever, but at least I'm allowed to utilize the rest of my senses with someone on top of me. And the thing that goes through my mind is like, all right, I'm in this position. What can I do to maneuver it? Well, how can I maneuver here? How can I maneuver there? And then it, you eventually kind of trust, you trust your gut and you trust your body to make the right decisions as opposed to seeing what you need to do. You kind of build faith in yourself. You know, someone's about to arm bar me, but then what can I do? What can I, you know, without seeing how can I feel what's going to happen? What's going to happen? When I practice with my eyes closed, it's being mindful of my surroundings and understanding where I'm at and the predicament I'm at when someone, when I'm rolling with somebody, utilizing not just my ears, but mind to like trying to figure out where's this guy, where's this person's foot, where's their weight, kind of using that like feel body, listening for their breath, listening to how heavy they're breathing. If they're breathing like calm or are they like, <gasps> and if they're breathing heavily, then I can like explode because I know that they're getting tired. Closing my eyes and being mindful and being present in the situation. It makes total sense. Actually, it made absolute sense when you said it's about trusting your gut because that all yeah. just comes back to like cooking and tasting too. Like the stomach is the place where you get a lot of emotion and feeling from. The fact that you mentioned like going with your gut is not just like a figurative expression. It's, I think it's like a very literal connection as well. Everyone has their own personal instinct. Everyone has their own instinct. And so you have to be able to trust your own instinct in any situation. And Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, let's say martial arts in general, you're gonna have to trust your instinct. And that instinct is a means of protecting yourself, making sure that you're well and safe and happy as best as possible. Sometimes your instinct will get you out of danger. Sometimes your instinct is can actually be incorrect. It's a, you know, it's a situational thing. So. You know, that comes from experience. That comes from, yeah, it, it comes from experience and just years of going through whatever the heck you're going through. Same thing with cooking. You understand that like lemon juice goes well with shrimp. <laughs> you know, you understand that garlic goes well with pasta, not chocolate. So that, you know, just years of experience and learning and growing. And the more you, more experience you have, the better your instincts are. You understand the situation and you know how to handle that situation on the mat or in the kitchen. I'm going to name you Master Chef. I would they name you Iron Chef. That's going to be your nickname on that. <laughs> or Chef Boyer Z. I'll take that too. We'll let the team decide. We'll take a vote. <laughs> I mean, it's that's fun. That's, that's the impression I'm getting. Like, it's fun. Yeah. Cooking does not have to be a serious affair. <laughs> It doesn't, but it, it, you challenge yourself, especially when it comes to baking. Baking is so precise, but if you're able to kind of, kind of go out of what you know, like out of out of the procedure, out of out of tune with it, and maybe mess with it in different flavors, it's you know, kind of push the boundaries of it. And I think you'll you'll you, same thing in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. You kind of push your you push the boundaries. You you push your abilities, your your strength, your breathing, your mental boundaries you, you will you'll succeed you might fail a few times but you'll succeed or you'll eventually succeed and that success will not only motivate you but even but skyrocket you even further i mean how many how many times i've burnt food and uh <laughs> like how many times I've, I've 
set water on fire. I don't know how, but it happened. But <laughs> I mean, you, one of the best lessons learned are, are through failure and just messing things up or burning food or getting choked out. And yeah. What I like about Zubin is he is constantly posting pictures of the food that he's making on social media. And it makes me smile a little bit because I think a lot of my social circle, when they do jujitsu, it sort of takes over their social media lives, so to speak. So all they post about is their training or what they're planning on competing in. And Zubin's just over here, like living his best life, making sandwiches with 10 different kinds of deli meats, I would imagine, and crazy cheesecake combos. And I just really love the way his life seems to be full of different things and that his stomach seems to be full as well. Um, Side note, setting water on fire is a really great skill, but I also think that might not be possible unless you have oil on the water. So I would not want to be in the same room as that is happening, despite my love of fire. Uh, I'm concerned for your safety, Zubin. But anyways, I like that analogy of cooking and how it relates to jujitsu and the idea that messing up is totally okay. In a prior ev episode with Evelyn, um, we've talked about how failure can be normalized. And I think with cooking, it's something that if you really look at it, it's it matures over time, generally speaking. So when I was like a very young adult, you know, barely out of college, I really didn't have a very sophisticated way of thinking about how I wanted to cook my meals. And now David and I, David being my partner, we've really evolved to a stage where essentially we are living like kings with regards to the food that we make. I understand that this comes with a piece of privilege as well. Um, so that's something to be acknowledged. And also, like, we're not great chefs because of the fact that we're just getting great ingredients. I think we're great chefs because we pay attention to what we're doing and we do what feels right to us. And yeah, sometimes we come up with like weird stuff that doesn't work really well. But I think what is important to keep in mind is that when we make mistakes, it's important not to have a sense of shame around it. I think that a lot of people, including myself, have fallen into the trap of thinking that if they're if they just berate themselves for making a mistake, somehow that's going to provide enough of a external motivation or incentive or influence to like have us not make a mistake next time but in fact it just makes the dealing with failure a lot harder and a lot more difficult so i have realized in my jujitsu journey that i am really seeking wisdom 
and understanding and maturity in my technique and also my attitude in which I pursue challenges. I think that pursuing wisdom is something that I really value. It's something that I, when I know I am honing in on a truth that is specific to me, it feels extremely gratifying and exciting and also a little intoxicating. And I think it's all about how does it taste in your mouth, so to speak. Like, how does your experience um, enrich your life and elevate your quality of life as opposed to detracting from it? When you go through that difficult period in your life, Mm -hmm. first of all, how did that person know to help you? And second of all, why did you receive that help? That person helped me because I think they saw that I was not, I was leaving and I was extremely distraught. And that person was asking me questions and I started tearing up. And I feel that there's something about the people at Beta that it's not just, it's not just martial arts, it's a family. Like when I go there, I go see family. I see people that are, that will ask, hey, how's your day? Hey, are you doing okay? Because, you know, people, people go through some tough shit on a daily basis. Now, what might be tough for me may not be tough for you and vice versa. But I always feel that like it's a, you know, with a sport, like with, with what we do and the environment that Jiu-Jitsu kind of creates and brings, it, it's a very family-oriented environment. You even see that even at tournaments where after you fight somebody, you give that person like a massive hug and you talk about it. And then you're like, oh, cool. Well, maybe we can fight, you know, maybe we can roll each other, we'll roll with each other again. And it fosters a very collaborative environment where like no one's out to get anybody. Everyone's here to help one another, you know? And that's one of the biggest things I feel that specifically with Beta, I felt. It feels like I'm going home. And for that coach specifically to come talk with me, and motivate me to get me back in and literally just talk me off the edge. It's literally what family would do in in any rough situation. Now that person did not have to, but they did. They did it because they care and the fact that the coach, all coach, I feel that all coaches care about the well-being of their students. And even the students care about each other. And I've had firsthand experience with hanging out and talking with some of the some of the folks I've, I do, I, I roll with, I, I practice with, I train with. I'm very close with a lot of people. A lot of people have seen me at a rough time and they've actually just been like, hey, are you doing okay? What's up? They've reached out to me, even though we're not friends, they'll reach out to me on Facebook. They've reached out to me on Facebook Messenger, like, hey, like I saw you were kind of moping around. Is everything cool? What's on your mind? And, you know, I've done the same with others. Yeah, I really appreciate that because I think as I get like more comfortable with the idea of like personal autonomy, I think for me, I tend to leave people alone. But I I just realized like sometimes getting up in somebody's grill and just being like, are you okay? Is the better call. I remember, I remember there was a time I was having, there was, there was some stuff that was going on at work and I remember I was super, extremely stressed about it. And some of the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the crazy thing is, is I kind of, I was, I was rolling with Master Knock and he's like, what's the problem? <laughs> I just started venting to him about work. He's like, okay, well, we could talk about this later, but what's going on with me about to choke you? But like, kind of, I still remember that role specifically because I, his, anytime I feel like I'm in a pickle or something's not right, his voice pops into my head and says, all right, what's going on? What's the problem? Let's dissect this. You know, a lot of like that philosophy, that BJJ, even just martial arts in general, 
kind of teaches you to say it, it's it's teaching you to be methodic about what you do and calculating how you should react and how you should act at certain point at, at certain points whether you're in combat training or even outside it's that family environment that just the sport itself and even martial arts itself fosters and depending on where you are don't get me wrong i've been to some gyms where they're complete assholes and it's super competitive and i've met some folks even at bjj where people are like complete dicks but that's a small that's exactly it's a small percentage of it where folks are only care about themselves rather than other people I have yet to meet someone at my gym that has ever been anything less than like yeah. helpful. And I feel it, it's, I would never say it's just the gym, it's the gym, it's, it's just, like sometimes it's people. one people, it's a couple people, you can always ignore them. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted you on this podcast is because of the one time I watched you roll with somebody and you mm-hmm. might not like me bringing this up, but I, I think you were really stressed that day and I watched you roll with someone and that person, A, tapped you out and B celebrated pretty loudly oh, about yeah, I know it. Who you're talking about. And you were so mad. And I think everyone in the class was like, what the heck, dude? Not to you, but to the other person. Yeah. And I was and like, I- oh, Zubin is sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I here's the thing. It, it, it wasn't so I was I wasn't mad about him celebrating. I was mad that like tapped me. <laughs> Because he got me, and I didn't really, and he, he he apologized for a few, I said, dude, don't worry about it. Like, I was upset the fact that I, I that you actually got out of my grip and he tapped me. Like, I was, it was more, I was more in shock, but I like, it, it, here's the thing, like, if someone's, I, I, there's, I don't, if someone celebrates if they tap me, that's fine. Like, take it. You know what I'm saying? That's a win right there. Like, it didn't bother me, but apparently, I, I guess it, it actually did strike a chord with some other folks that say, hey, you shouldn't be gloating like that. And so, you know, he apologized. I said, it's not a big deal. Like, to be honest with you, I don't really care whether you gloat or not. At the end of the day, it's just more motivation for me to do better and make sure I just don't allow myself to make the same mistake over again. Yeah, you're like also not afraid to admit that you cry. I mean, I'm not even gonna say admit because that seems like it's like a bad thing. Just not afraid to say that like- Are you kidding me? I cried this morning on my girlfriend's arms. No, I didn't, but- No, I mean, I'm not, here's the thing, at the end of the day, like, what's the point of not, I always feel like you have to be old. You have to be honest with yourself and you have to be open with yourself. At the end of the day, if you're not honest and open with yourself, you're not going to be honest and open with anybody else. And it's going to kill you, in my opinion. It's, you have to be able to face your, you have to, I always feel like your biggest enemy in life is yourself, your mental, it's, it's the person that you see when you look in the mirror. Something that I've realized in my jujitsu journey is that my experience is directly dictated by the expectations that I place on myself and on others. I sometimes don't even sense it because it's such an automatic process in me. Only when those expectations are dashed do I recognize that I've been wanting things to be different than they actually are. Zubin has a loose approach to life that is both specific to himself and adaptable to the broader principles of the world. It reminds me of a passage from the Tao Te Ching, also known as the classic of the way and virtue, that has a nuanced approach between desire for achievement and the attitude towards the actual outcome. The Tao is always at ease. It overcomes without competing, answers without speaking a word. 
arrives without being summoned, accomplishes without a plan. Its net covers the whole universe, and though its messes are wide, it doesn't let a thing slip through. Words like these are not to be taken literally. After all, how can something with a wide mesh not let anything slip through? But we can use it for contemplation. Speaking of which, it might be a good time now to ask yourself what you learned from our guest today. Perhaps you take away Zuba's zest for life that involves a wholehearted embodiment of the complete experience, bitter and sweet in its essence. Or you can look to his willingness to whip through the knotted twists and turns of life to produce an existence that is both meaningful and light. The following is a poem from my book, The House on 15th Street Northwest. Let me not waste my time hence on matters of pure happenstance, of leaves that fall with the coming of dawn, with life escaping the lips of the wronged. With patience I have sat waiting for answers, auditioning my thoughts on a stage with no dancers. And I have gone to lands full of dreams, emerging from my sleep with promises on broken wings. With each passing day I grow much younger, I have more wisdom, I have more hunger. Across the ocean to the Galapagos and then South Korea, I follow the susurrations of kinetic Medea. And let me slip one small stale baguette and dip it in boiled milk, letting the concoction set. And I shall savor burnt butter with pigeons transmogrified as I listen carefully to a question unreplied. That's it for the mental arts. Thanks for listening. Hopefully that answers your question. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> Chunky yeah, monkey's so- greatest ice cream. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. <laughs>